church. I'd like to invite you to stand and worship with us. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let's sing and let's celebrate. Come on. From the dawn of creation, this world has been crying out for hope. For hero.
that you chose to worship with us this morning. Here are your big three announcements for the week. If you are interested in becoming a member here at Southview, we are going to be offering new member classes the last three weeks of September during our 930 service. In those classes, you're going to learn why it's important to be committed to a local body of believers. Please text the word MEMBER to 910-424-1298. Are you looking to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? If so, we've got equipped classes to offer you starting September 10th. Most of these classes will meet on Sunday morning or Wednesday evenings. But if you'll text the word EQUIP to 910-424-1298, you can find out more information about these classes. If you are interested in serving here at Southview, this week we want to highlight our worship ministry. This is a great group of believers who love the Lord and who share their talents in leading us in worship and song and prayer every week. If you sing a song, play an instrument, or even more of a behind-the-scenes person, this ministry is the perfect place for you. If you would, just text the word SERVE to 910-424-1298. We encourage you to download the Southview Baptist Church app, either on Google Play or iTunes. And it's there that you can find access to sermon notes, find a journey group, or look for other information about things going on here at church. And there are two ways that you can give here at Southview, either online in the app or in the giving boxes as you exit the sanctuary. If you're a guest visiting with us this morning, we are so excited and honored that you would be here. If you would, please, text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298, and Pastor Brad is going to personally follow up with you this week. We look forward to getting to know you and praying for you and seeing how we can best minister to you. Thank you again so much for worshiping with us this morning. Let's continue to worship the Lord with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. happening here but the best thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't that right church that never changes never falters and because of his righteousness and his work on the cross for those that believe we can stand and we can sing these songs we can pray to our living God he is worthy stand with us and let's continue to celebrate these truths today through song Of all names, the only name that saves Jesus Christ. Come, thou fount of every blessing to 
praise you for these truths. Church, we're going to learn a new song today. It's called From Everlasting, and it's based off of Psalm 90. And I just want to read you um, just a few segments. Verses 1 and 2, the psalmist says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And then later on, he says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I love that. Return, O Lord, he says, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Let's continue to praise him. Summer fill. 
You may be seated. Jesus, we just thank you that you are our everlasting God. We trust you for all things. You are perfect and all sufficient in every single way. And I ask you, Lord God, today as we open up your word, you'll speak so clearly to us. We need you for this. We trust you for this. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning to you guys. Uh, If you're a guest with us, uh, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's great to have you today worshiping with us. If you got a Bible, let's find Jeremiah chapter 2 together, all right? Jeremiah 2, that is in your Old Testament. I will give you a minute to find it. Jeremiah chapter 2. So so we're in a series we're calling I Love That Verse. We're going to finish it next week, doing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so what we're doing is going through the summer, just sort of highlighting big verses of the Bible. Verses that as you read through the scriptures kind of pop off the page. Verses that may sort of be bumper sticker verses or, or coffee mug verses that we all know very well. But, but they're foundational, right? They're, these are verses that for me personally, as you've gone through this series this summer, there's a chance for you to kind of look into my own personal walk with the Lord and prayer journal because a lot of these scriptures that I'm, I've been preaching through over the last uh, couple of months here this summer are, are passages that have been profoundly influential in my own life. So things that are just really significant and important for, for me, but I think are, are really foundational for all of us, teach powerful truths of the faith. So today we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 2, and, and, and I want to ask this question of us. Where do I get satisfaction, fulfillment, and joy? I want you to ask yourself that question. Where do I get my satisfaction, fulfillment, and joy? Where does that come from? What am I looking for? Where am I finding? If we answer that question, it is going to radically shift and transform everything else. And so to answer that question, we want to go to Jeremiah chapter 2, all right? So you have a Bible, find Jeremiah chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 12, all right? So here's what's happening. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God calls Jeremiah to be a prophet, all right? Jeremiah's young, he's a kid. God calls him at a young age, says, hey, I want you to be my prophet. Jeremiah is scared of this idea, but God says, no, I want you to go. I want you to preach. I want you to proclaim. I want you to warn them. I want you to pronounce judgment on them. Like, he's getting a very heavy task. And so, so what's going on is this. We see it in Jeremiah 1 and in the first half of, of Jeremiah chapter 2. God chooses Israel, God loves Israel, God protects Israel, God provides for Israel. He is everything for them, right? He plucks them up out of obscurity. He places his hand on them. He chooses them to be his people. Then how does Israel respond? They reject God, right? God has been everything for them. And they respond by turning from him and rejecting him. And we see that kind of culminating in Jeremiah 2, verses 12 and 13. So pick it up in verse 12. God is speaking and he says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. 
Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Right? So God is literally looking around the heavens. He's going, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, you guys have got to take a look at this. These people, look what they're doing. How crazy is this? So what does he say to them? Verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. All right, so let's chat just for a quick second about water in ancient Near East, okay? So there were three primary sources of water, all right? One would be a source of flowing living water. Right? This would be a river. This is why if you go back to you know, high school Western Civ class, all ancient civilizations were built around water supplies. Right, Rivers, right? springs, the ocean, where, where rivers specifically funnel into the ocean. Right? They did that. They needed water to survive. So you either have some kind of water source like a river or you would build a village around an artesian well, right? You know what that is? That's, that's these natural wells that through just normal geological pressure, water is constantly pushed up to the surface. And so you have this constant source of living, clean, flowing water, right? That's first and primary. That's what you wanted. If you couldn't have that, option two would be you dig a well. Now, what you do with a well is you got to dig deep. Problem is this. Number one, it is extraordinarily hard work. Number two, you're not entirely sure how far you got to dig down. Number three, you're not entirely sure you're going to find water. Number four, if you find water, you don't know how long it's going to last. And then the third option you see specifically mentioned here in Jeremiah 2 is what's called a cistern. We'll unpack that a little bit more in a second. But basically, a cistern is this thing that you dug out of rock that caught rainwater as it fell, or it was a place for you to hold water that you brought from somewhere else. But here's the thing. People that he's talking to right now would know it is crazy. It is Looney Tunes. It is suicide. You're signing your death certificate to move away from living, clean, pure water, go out into the desert and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live off whatever water I can magically just find. I'm sure that'll be great. That seems like a wonderful idea. Everyone around would have known that's insanity. You don't leave fresh, clean, flowing, living water to go try to hopefully dig some artificial hole in the ground and magically have water in it. Right? That's crazy. You would never do that. But he's making the parallel going from the physical to the spiritual. And he's saying, but that's exactly what you've done to me. Look at the two sins that they've committed. First is this. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. The word forsake means to turn your back and go the opposite direction, right? You don't forsake someone that you do not know. Right? Passing someone in Walmart that you don't know is not forsaking them. 
right? Forsaking someone, in order for that, you have a relationship with them, you have an understood commitment to them, and you choose to turn your back away from them and go the other direction, right? You're forsaking them. And that's what he says. The first thing that you've done is you've forsaken me, the source of living water. And this is evil for two reasons. Number one, it's evil because God is the only all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-loving source for everything you'll ever need. Right? For all time. He's the giver of all good things. He is the giver of life. And to leave him is a spit in his face. It is mockery to him. But the second reason that it's evil is because it is mind-numbingly foolish. Right? On the, on the level of someone leaving fresh water and thinking, I'm going to go out in the desert, dig a hole, and hope water just magically shows up in it. It's crazy. And it's equally crazy to turn your back and forsake God. But then the second evil it says that they've committed is what? They've gone out and they've hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So these cisterns, again, were tanks of water. They were very common there in the ancient East. And, and they were often used for irrigation purposes, to hold water, but there were a few problems with it. Number one is this. Hewning out a cistern was very hard work. You had to chisel it out of rock. All right? And so that is extraordinarily difficult and time-consuming. Number two, if you're able to hewn out this cistern the second you put water in it it becomes stale and stagnant it grows algae and moss it very quickly becomes non-drinkable and the third issue with it is because of the heat that they're in those rocks would often crack and these cisterns become broken and whatever water you do have in there seeps down into the ground so it's very hard to do The water is stale and stagnant. It isn't going to be good and healthy for you. And whatever water you are able to put in there, eventually over time, you're just going to lose it. It's going to slip away. These broken cisterns can hold no water. And the spiritual parallel he's trying to draw here, and I want you to see this, is for, for Israel here, but for you and I. I, I use, again, Jeremiah 2, 12 and 3, 12 and 13, all the time in counseling. If you were to sit down with me in counseling, at some point in time, I'm going to read Jeremiah 2.13 to you. And I'm going to ask you, okay, these struggles that you're having in your life, these sins that you just can't seem to break, these things that you're going through, is it because you're trying to get your satisfaction and fulfillment and joy and life from a broken cistern that can't really satisfy you? Have you left the source of living water to try to get satisfied from some broken thing that can't fix you? So that's the question for you. Have you left God, our source of living water, the only source of true life and contentment and joy and peace, have you left him? Try to go find it somewhere else. Do you see the issue? Do you see what God is laying out for them? So how about us? What are ways that we do this? What are ways that we, on our own, dig out these broken cisterns that can really hold no water 
ways in which we try our best to get satisfaction. All right, let's do this. This is the audience participation part of the sermon. I want to hear what you think. What are ways that we in our society today try to find fulfillment and joy and happiness in something other than God? What are some of the broken cisterns that we dig out for them for ourselves? Just shout it out. Anybody? What do you think? Okay, well, okay, okay, okay. I heard work. Totally. Work. Right? And here's the problem. Work's a good thing. Work is a good thing. In fact, after the first service, I was talking with a couple of our guys, and we're, 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 we're kicking around this idea. And, and one of the guys said, so here's the problem. Like when I first got saved, all the obvious broken cisterns, right, sex, drugs, rock and roll, like all the obvious broken cisterns, like you'd see that and go, well, I'm not doing that anymore. But what happens, man, is these other socially acceptable broken cisterns take their place. Work. Work is a good thing. Work is given to you by God. Work is a gift from God. As a Christian, you are expected to work well as Je- for Jesus as your true boss and not just the earthly boss sitting in front of you. Yes, and man, how easy is it to get your value and your worth and your meaning and your joy from work? I, I-, I heard relationships. Oh man, how true is that? Right? What people think of you. What they say of you. Social media, right? We talked about this in the first service. Someone yelled social media. Ooh. Right? What everybody thinks of you. I mean, again, uh, right? You, why do you care that on your social media you can see that someone saw your story but didn't like it and it makes you mad? Why is that? Why is it? And I'm not talking about your 13-year-old daughter. I'm talking about you. Why does that hurt your heart? Why does something in you go, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I'm not going to lie there's either. <laughs> Why does it do that? Because in some way, that is a broken cistern that you're trying to get water from. You're wanting acceptance from them. And they don't give it. What else? Any other thoughts? What are some broken cisterns that we have? Self-help. Oh, totally. I got a great idea. You're your biggest problem. Why don't you help yourself more? Wonderful. That won't go bad. 100% self-help. It is a broken cistern that can hold no real water for you. You know why self-help was a multi-billion dollar business? Because you got to keep going buying another book because the last one didn't work. It's a broken cistern. We're full of them. Changing circumstances is a broken cistern. Well, if if I just change this and I change that, I'm no longer this person. I'm not like I'm gonna hang out with these people and not these people, and I'm gonna move to a different city. And I do, then it's gonna work out. It's a broken cistern that can hold no water. Family. I love family. Family is a gift from God. But it's a broken cistern that can hold no water. Your kids cannot fully satisfy you. Your spouse cannot be for you everything that you want them to be. Listen, if think about it like this. If broken cisterns can hold no water, then surely broken people cannot hold you. 
you're trying to get them to be something for you, they can't be. Think about it like this. Um, so uh, there are what I call, and I, I didn't come up with this because I don't, we don't ever come up with anything new. I steal it from other people. But the four laws of human fulfillment. Look at it like this. The four laws. Love, acceptance, worth, and security. Everybody wants those things. Everybody needs those things. We all need to be loved. We all need to be accepted. We all desire to be seen as worthy. And we all want to feel secure. Everyone desires that. Here's what I want you to see, okay? When it comes to sin, whatever it is that you're struggling with, the reason why it's so difficult to get rid of sin is because we just view it on the surface level. It's a bad thing I shouldn't do, so I'm going to try my best to stop doing the thing. Right? I shouldn't be angry, so I'm going to stop being angry. I shouldn't be involved in sexual morality, so I'm going to stop doing that thing. I shouldn't be anxious, I'm going to stop being anxious. I shouldn't be jealous, I'm going to stop being jealous. And you, if you see it just on the surface level as a thing that's being done that shouldn't be done, so you try to stop doing the thing, it never works. Why? Because I believe on a core level, the issue is instead we're trying to get our hearts fulfilled. And when it doesn't work from these broken cisterns, we manifest out in these sinful ways. Think about it. Okay, I mentioned anger. Why do you get angry? I, I, I think, I would suggest, the reason we get angry is because we're trying to get love and acceptance and worth and security from someone or something that cannot provide it. And when they don't provide it, you get mad. They did not perform the way you wanted them to perform. They did not respond to you the way you wanted them to respond to you. They did not provide for you the things that you felt should have been provided for you. And you get angry. Jealousy. Why are we jealous? Because we want love and acceptance and worth and security. And we perceive that someone else is getting it in a way that we're not. And we become jealous of them. Sexual immorality. Why do we do that? Is it a bad thing we shouldn't do? No, I think on a heart level, we're trying to find ways to get love and acceptance and worth and security. So you find it in that broken cistern that cannot really fulfill and cannot really satisfy and ultimately will betray you. Uh, this week, I watched a um, documentary on Johnny Menzel, Johnny Football. It's fantastic. Uh, parental advisory, they drop a lot of F-bombs, so watch it when the kids go to bed. But, like, I'm a college football freak. I am so pumped. Like, we are there, man. It is time. I'm so excited. It's college football season. So I'm watching this. If you're not familiar, Johnny Menzel, he was a um, college and professional football player. Um, and uh, the documentary is on his historic, unprecedented meteoric rise to success and then his equally historic unprecedented just glorious collapse and failure and it follows him and, and if you're not familiar with the story of Johnny Menzel he was an absolutely obscure unknown high school kid from East Texas freshman just got offered a scholarship to Texas A&M 
No one knew who he was. Just some random kid. And in a matter of six months, he became the most famous football player, college or professional in the country. Right? Just out of nowhere, the dude took over the world. And so it follows him through college and then into the pros. And, and as it's going through him becoming a professional, um, getting drafted by uh, Cleveland, he says such an amazing line. He says in there, I finally had everything I've ever wanted. I was rich. I was famous. I was a Heisman winner. I was a first-round draft pick. I was a starting quarterback in the NFL. I had accomplished everything I'd ever want to accomplish, and I felt the most empty I'd ever felt in my entire life. And, and I'm sitting there on the couch by myself, um, and I... Uh, 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 everybody was, uh, they'd gone, all the family was gone doing other things. I was sitting there like, I'll turn it on, start turning it on. I'm on the couch by myself screaming at the TV, because you're digging cisterns. <laughs> because it's not supposed to fulfill you. At the end of the day, there is not enough money and fame and drugs and alcohol and girls. Eventually, those cisterns break. And there's nothing left. It's all gone. And on the surface, you can have everything everyone assumes should make you happy. Yet, you're broken. Listen, we, we try to find answers in really goofy ways. Well, you know, we need better society and better education and better economics, and that's going to help everything. Statistically speaking, the higher someone is socioeconomically, the more likely they are to experience depression. Right? That, having it all doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it better. At the end of the day, it's just broken cisterns. So what do we do? How do we fix it? Well, we see one the broken cisterns that can hold no water. Uh, But I want to focus more so now on this living water. Um, If you have a Bible, I want you to flip to the New Testament, the Gospel of John. John chapter 4. And again, if you don't have a Bible, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. But So in John chapter 4, what's happening is Jesus is walking through a region called Samaria. And he comes across a Samaritan woman at a well. Now, Jews, Jesus, and Samaritans, this woman, are not supposed to interact. Right? They're not supposed to talk, not supposed to interact, not supposed to anything. So Jesus comes, he sits down by this woman at the well, and he asks her for a drink of water. Which is crazy for this lady because if he interacts with her, if he touches with her, touches her, if he drinks from the same cup that she's drinking from, he's ceremonially unclean and can't go into the temple to worship God. Like this is a big deal. And so when he says, "Hey, um, give me some water," she's floored and says, "What? How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for water? Like, what are you doing?" And we pick it up in verse 10. Jesus gives his answer. If you knew the gift of God 
in who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So as we look at this, Jesus' teaching on this living water, I want to show you a few things. Listen, question, just for kind of good, just ponder and think through. Are you sick and tired of feeling empty? Are you tired of that? Does that resonate in your heart? Are you sick of feeling empty? Are you sick of trying to find things in this world that are going to satisfy you and fulfill you, provide for you love and acceptance and worth and security? Are you tired of that? Have you realized and seen all these things in the world can't really do it? And at the end of the day, I still feel empty. If that's you, I want you to listen to how Jesus describes living water. I want you to see a few things. First is this. This living water that Jesus gives, it's a gift from God. You see that in verse 10. It says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's a gift. Digging out these cisterns, trying to find people and situations and circumstances and things that will fulfill you. It's hard work. It never ends. That cistern is always breaking and you got to go dig another one. That water's always going dirty, so you got to go find some more. It never ends. But Jesus says, you come to me and I'm going to give living water to you. And it's a gift from God. All you have to do is ask him and he just gives it. You don't have to work for it and earn it and get, des- and, and get worthy of it. You don't have to clean yourself up. In fact, in this John 4 story with the Samaritan woman, if you're familiar with it, they keep on going and eventually it becomes revealed that this is a woman with a very sordid sexual past. She's not had great experiences with men. She keeps trying to go back to that well of relationships and men over and over and over and over and over, hoping that that's going to fulfill her. And it doesn't. But Jesus doesn't say to her, hey, you clean your stuff up and come back and I'm going to give you living water. He says, no, no, I'm, if you want it and you ask, I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to give it to you right now. It's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't strive. It's just a gift. Second, this living water is satisfying. He says to her in verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. It's fully satisfying. Some of you here today may even say, 
you know, I've tried that and it doesn't work. I've tried Christianity. I've tried God and it didn't work. I still felt empty. I would suggest, not knowing your story, I'd love to hear it. But I would suggest you didn't actually try Jesus. You maybe tried church. You, you, you tried being good. You, you tried changing your life and stopping bad things. You tried reading your Bible and maybe going to a Bible study and all those. You tried those things and that's, and that's great. But when you just go to Jesus, you just go to Jesus. He satisfies you. Listen, some of you are even here today. You're in this church right now at some vain attempt for this church to be your broken cistern. You're hoping that coming here and listening to me or being around these people is somehow going to fulfill you. And we're not. I am a broken cistern. I can't give you life-giving water. I've got none of that. All we do as a church, all we want to do is point you to the one who does. This church cannot be that for you. We will disappoint you. We will fail you. It's not a great sales pitch, but there it is. Who wants to sign up for the members class? <laughs> but what we do is we point you to Jesus. And he will always satisfy. And then that third thing you see there. This living water is overwhelming. Verse 14, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That, that, that word welling up means to gush up and overflow. This is what he promises. Right? This, this water that always goes and never ends and never ends and never ends and never ends. And so when you, in your walk with Christ, realize that you're starting to drift over into some broken cisterns, that living water is always there. You can go right back to him. I, I, I remember when I was a kid growing up down in South Carolina, um, a few houses down from, from my family uh, was a gentleman named Mr. Threat. Mr. Threat discovered an artesian well on his property. So he decided he's going to dig a hole and make a pool. And so he did. He made this pool out of this artesian well water. And he, he charged the kids in the, in, in the neighborhood $2 to come down and swim. So he was, a, he was a crafty old man. And so we'd go down to Mr. Threat's pool. Like July, August, like it is here in, down in, in South Carolina, it feels like it's 412 degrees. Like it's just ridiculous. But you'd jump in that pool, and it was so cold, it would take your breath away. Right? you come up out of that water, and it's... <gasps> didn't matter how hot it was, that water was always fresh and cold. And when you understand Jesus is the source of living water, it doesn't matter how hot and crazy and ridiculous this world is around you. He is an ever-flowing, constant source of cold, clean, fresh, living water. He's available. Will you come to him? So how do we do that? Let me give you a few things to think about. How do we drink from this living water? 
first thing I would suggest is you have to acknowledge and reject all those broken cisterns you've been trying to live out of. Can, can, we, just, can we just be honest? Look around your life. Look at the people and the situations and the circumstances and the things that you're trying to get fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning and worth and joy from. Come on, see that and reject it. Turn from it. And now as you turn from it, turn to Jesus and pursue him. Pursue Jesus as the source of living water. See Jesus for who he is. It's not just enough to see that these things are bad and cannot fulfill you. Seeing that something is bad is not enough to make you stop doing it. Understand? Right? That's not enough. Right? Everybody in this room has dated one person in their life that was not good for you, but you stayed with them. Right? Your friends were like, he, he's, a, he's a maniac. You should leave him. You're like, I think I can change him. Right? Your buddies are like, so she's insane. You should break up with her. Yeah, but she's hot. So is hell, bro. <laughs> right? So is hell. I don't see it jumping in line to go there. Just because you know something's bad is not enough to make you turn from it. Right? I mean, we all know we need to eat less junk. We still do it. Right? We know it. I mean, the side of that cigarette or vape pen says, inhaling this will make your insides explode. But you're still doing it. Just because you know something is bad doesn't mean you stop doing it. Just because you see a cistern is broken doesn't mean you turn from it. What's going to empower you to turn from it is you seeing how glorious and amazing Jesus is instead. Is that tracking? You see how great Jesus is? Now you want to go to him. Now you want to go to him. Do you see? That's what Jesus told this lady in verse 14 of John 4. If you knew, if you just knew who it was that was talking to you right now, if you just knew how great and glorious and awesome I am, if you just knew, you would ask, and I'd give it to you. The reason you don't turn to Jesus is because you don't see how glorious he is. Man, you got to see how worthy Jesus is and how he really is the only one who can be that source of living water for you. And then third, I would say this, and this is kind of just broader for all of us as a church. Um, we've got to be a church that points people to the living water. Like I said, we as a church, we're just a broken cistern. We can't give anything to anyone. But what we do and what we must do is constantly point people to Jesus as the living water. And I would encourage you, start seeing everything through this framework. And as you have conversations with people in the church that are asking for advice and counsel, start thinking in these terms and ask them, okay, is there a broken cistern you're trying to get satisfaction and fulfillment from? Are you really trusting Jesus and soaking up Jesus as the only source of living water? Or, be honest, are you trying to get it in other places? We start having those conversations. Listen to me. If as a church, you all start having those kind of conversations with one another, that, brothers and sisters, is what we call genuine discipleship. 
Now, those are the conversations that can see real spiritual fruits bear out. We as a church have to be that. This world is looking for fresh water. This world is looking for water to drink from. They're looking for it. And if we don't point them to fresh water, they'll drink out of the toilet. They don't care. As long as they can get water, they don't care where it comes from. So we have to point them to the source of living water. Say, no, 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 no. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. So for you today, let me ask this. Have you turned to Jesus as your source of living water? Have you trusted by faith in Jesus to take away your sin, to make you new? And you trust him now to be the only source of life in you. I want you to see today how glorious and awesome Jesus is. He died in your place for your sin. He rose again. He conquered sin and death and hell so that you can be given life, his life, abundant life. Today, here's what I want you to do. If you've never trusted in Jesus to be your real source of living water, to be a Christian, to to, to really trust by faith in him, today, I want you right now to say, God, I see it. I see all the things I'm trying to find fulfillment and joy and happiness in, in this life, and it isn't working. I'm empty. I feel it. I'm empty. But Jesus, I see that you died for me to give me new life and to have fresh living water come into my soul. Jesus, I'd give up all these broken cisterns, all these stupid things, all that stuff that's not going to satisfy me. I turn away from all of that and I trust in you. Jesus, make me new. I want to ask you today, right here, right now to do that. Do it right now. Do you see Jesus for who he is? Turn to him and be made new. And for those of you who are followers of Christ, listen. Man, these broken cisterns, they're sneaky. This heart of ours, it it drifts towards that so easily, doesn't it? Just like we sing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my, here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it with thy courts above. I need you, God. I see that I can drift towards this. I turn from that. I don't want that. Jesus, I need you. Confess that today. Confess that today. We're going to end our time a little differently. We're not going to have you stand and sing. We just want you to instead just to take time to, to just meditate and pray. Ask God to show you the broken cisterns in your hearts that maybe that you might be blind to. Confess those. Turn from those. And run to Jesus as the source of living water. God, we just thank you. We need you. Today, show us, Lord God, these broken cisterns that can hold no water. Let us see them. Let us turn from them. And let us soak up true living water just from you. Do this in us, Jesus. We need you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Come thou found
fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for your life. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our source of living water. I ask you, Jesus, today, all these broken cisterns that we're trying our best to drink out of, I pray, God, that you would just begin a process in all of our lives of just showing us those, just pointing that out. Let us see it. And as we see it, Lord, I pray that you would empower us to turn from those and turn to you, Jesus, as our only source of living water. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.
God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. Soon.